1: Hello and welcome to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. We are on podcast 194 as we help you increase your persuasion, influence, negotiation skills, even your self-persuasion skills. And we've got great news today. We have a guest, Scott Ingrams, on the show. Scott, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks, Kurt.
1: Great pleasure to have you here. Quick background on Scott. Scott is the host of the Sales Success Stories podcast where he interviews top salespeople. Not just high-ranking sellers either, but he talks to the ones that are the number one. And he's also an active sales professional himself. And that's what I like about Scott. He's not going to some theory, some person who's teaching who's never done it. He's going right to the source, which I found in my years of research and writing books. If you want to be charismatic, you find a charismatic person. You want to be a top salesperson, you find a top salesperson. You want to be a great negotiator, you find a great negotiator. You want to be a great leader, you find a great leader. That's where the source is, and so that's where Scott goes to find that. So again, Scott, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. So as tradition, everyone knows on Maximize Your Influence, the very first question and the most important question, I guess, depends how you look at it. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why?
0: So I don't have, I'm not particularly offended by a particular vegetable. My issue is with olives (laughs) because olives even ruin food that they have been near so you know vegetables if you don't like a vegetable you can pick it off and the rest of your food isn't ruined olives that's a different story
1: it taints everything around it huh
0: that's right well, it's no so good
1: olive would be a fruit wouldn't it
0: i think it would be a fruit i i didn't uh fact check my statements yeah, but i believe it would be. be fortunately my wife is an olive fan, so it's a it's a good symbiotic relationship she gets all my olives <laughs>
1: It's good to have a spouse like that. When I I separate things on my plate, my spouse usually eats those, too. So olives, that's new on the show. We'll take it. I I agree that olives can ruin some things, and it just taints it. It's just a bad influence. It's like a bad salesperson that sucks the life out of everybody, right? That's an olive. (laughs) We'll just categorize it that way. Awesome. So as we get into it, I know you're interviewing these salespeople and the trends. and We know that sales has been changing, and it's always adapting, and there's new trends and things that are happening. What do you see out there? Maybe something that you've done because you're actively in sales right now or you see maybe a trend. What do you think the greatest blunder is right now for those who are out there persuading
0: and selling? Uh, you know, I think the blunder and it's it's one that's hurting everybody in sales right now is the automation of generic messages. I think as people are loading up these different spam cannon type tools and and I mean some of these tools can be great right they can be really helpful if you use them wisely but a lot of them are a lot of folks are using them for evil and are just sending the same message and and taking sort of a volume approach right thinking they can make it up in quantity and for, and quality be damned and I I think that's hurting everybody a lot of people ignoring those outreach, mess- outreach messages and making it so much harder to get in the door
1: I can see that because on one hand, as a salesperson, you love the technology. It automates it. People float to the top. But on the other hand, you're probably losing some valuable customers, getting them into this generic spam filter, which I can see that. And, man, is there a happy medium between the two?
0: Yeah, I think there is, right? I mean, those tools can help you stay on track. I mean, one of the ones that is often mentioned by guests on my show, especially the SDRs, is SalesLoft. And SalesLoft allows you to build what they call a cadence. So it's sort of a series of touches that might include phone calls and emails and LinkedIn and social touches and all of those types of things. And if you use that to stay on track, but then personalize each one, and that's something that that SalesLoft allows you to do, then I, I think that's right, right? You are accountable and on top of your process. Cause we all know it's, it's not one and done. If you reach out to somebody one time, that's likely not going to get it done. And we see that it takes an average of, I, you know, I hear stats anywhere from eight to 12, sometimes even higher than that to get into the door. So you've got to use a tool like that, but take the opportunity to do the research and get to know the person on the other end and how they would benefit, make it about them. Then you've got a powerful combination.
1: Good point, good point. Yeah, technology can be a great thing, but it also can scare the pants off people. I was consulting for a high-tech firm, and they were all excited they were buying these leads online, but they were selling them to four other people. And so right when someone hit submit with their phone number, they would get four phone calls from four different companies, and it was freaking people out. That's a challenge, and so we can adapt the two. And a good point here is you bring up about caring about your customers and their results. And so how do we really come across as caring with technology and I know a lot of salespeople have the concern of coming across as fake. How do you truly care about their customer? Because that's, I think, when the door of influence and persuasion really opens up.
0: Oh, absolutely. So like you said, on my show, I only talk to folks that are at the top of the sales game and really try and dissect and understand in detail what they're doing. And one of the things that they really do is they just care. And the way that that caring comes across, I, I think the first place and the first step is a really, really strong discovery process and taking the time with a client on the onset without your own agenda to dig in and understand the customer, their pain points, what's in their way, what their aspirations are, what their goals are, what they're measured on, what success looks like to them, all of those types of things. And I had one of the guests on my show. She's been the number one seller in her. Uh, she works for a, a SaaS software company. She's been number one for eight years in a row, and lives and dies by this discovery. Really feels like it sets up the entire rest of her sales process. And then I talked with another gentleman named Colin Spector, and something that was interesting that he did. He's at a company called Namely in the in the HR space. And when he first started there, one of the things he worked to learn and understand was not all of the features and functionality and all the stuff behind his product. He really dove in to understand who is it that I'm selling to, what do these h r professionals care about how they how do they decide on a product like mine and he used quora as a as a tool to reach out and understand. What what are those things? And just ad, asked a lot of really, really great questions. And that's the difference, right? I think the person on the other end can sense your motivation and your interest. And there's a big difference between if you really care about them and their results and the outcome that your solution provides versus you just care about yourself and your commission and them as a transaction.
1: Oh, I like that. That's good information. Listeners, I hope you grab that. You're out there doing the discovery. You don't have your own agenda. That's key, and you adapt to them. When we talk about on the show that you tend to sell people how you like to be sold, you need to adapt. Don't come across with your own agenda, and that's when people really feel that you care about them. Hope you have taking that one to heart and realize that can really increase your sales. Now let's shift gears a little bit. One of the things that we talk about the show is a lot of persuasion involves the subconscious trigger or the emotional side. And then you mentioned that people buy on feelings it's a transfer of emotions and the knee-jerk reaction i think we both know is the logic the vomit logic logic data dump what do you see sales doing transferring to be more emotionally based to sell on feelings instead of fact
0: yeah so the best person who did this was a gentleman named eli wild and eli is the number one sales field sales rep in the tony robbins organization so this guy was like the Tony Robbins of sales, like super motivating. And what he talked about is all sales is, is that transference of emotion. So really understanding and connecting with the emotions of the buyer. And again, this comes back to impact and how they feel about the result or the challenge that they're experiencing that might be related to your solution. And even he was really intent on clarifying that motive matters when you're doing that. So again, it has to be in the best interest of the person. It's not, I I think there's so many misconceptions about what great sales is, and it's not this sleazy thing that you do to somebody. It's somebody that it's something that you do for and with them. It's really a partnering type of relationship. And again, creating that bond, creating that feeling, that's what leads to consummated deals because everybody is going to come out better.
1: Perfect. Well said. And as you talk to these number one salespeople, and I there I know the answer to this one, how would you rate their belief in their product compared to the average salesperson?
0: <laughs> uh wholehearted. Well, oftentimes when I come on these shows, one of the things that I'm working to do is to distill what are the common themes that are part of the the top sellers. And I think belief is probably the number one, and it comes in a couple of different forms. It's not just belief in their product and their solution and the results that they can provide. There's also a belief in themselves, their ability to add value and a belief in their process and kind of the way that they approach things so again if you if we look back at debbie she has a a real strong belief in her discovery process and knowing that that's going to add a lot of value for the customer i even had one guest so josh muller is one of the top sellers of cutco so the the folks that these guys are selling knives and he has sold, just to put this in context, he has sold four and a half million dollars worth of knives, one set at a time. Well,
1: right? you think cut the quarters in half, right? That's a lot of quarters to cut, right? These, those... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> this impressive. Guy's a, this
0: guy's a massive quarter murderer, I'm I sure. I tell
1: you, you, get arrested for things like that. But wow, four and a half million. Four and a half million.
0: Well, and and one of the things he said is he's like, I have the advantage of selling for a world class company with world class service. And he said, if it's not best in class, don't sell it. And I've really, really come to believe this, especially after all of these conversations, that if you don't wholeheartedly believe in your solution, then you're never going to reach the height of sales success that you really could if you had that belief, so to the point now, I really believe if you're not in that space, it's time to figure out can you get yourself there? Can you talk to some customers and and uh, kind of inoculate yourself with that type of belief to get to that point or it may be time to go find something else. And and Josh even points out if you're an entrepreneur and you don't believe in what it is that you're providing, you got work to do.
1: Well said. And listeners, I hope you caught that because that belief in the product is critical. And I've always said that you have a moral and ethical obligation to sell people and persuade people because if you're dealing with the number one product, if you don't persuade them or sell them, someone else with an inferior product, inferior customer service is going to sell them. And you've really failed that prospect. And so, Number one, belief in product. But then Scott also mentioned the belief in self. And so how important is mindset or belief in yourself in this sales process?
0: Oh, it, It's huge. It's absolutely fundamental. And it's not just this belief. I think that the other really common factor that I see is there's this super strong self-awareness. They are very humble, understand that most of them would probably call themselves students of sales, even though they're probably some of the best in the world. And they're constantly learning and constantly evaluating themselves and their processes to continue to get better. One of my favorite guests, maybe the favorite episodes I've done so far is with a gentleman named Robbie Siegel, and he sells in the medical device space. And in year two, in his sales role, in in an individual contributor role, he sold $6.4 million, was number one of 150. But what's really interesting about that is he came from sales leadership. He had spent the previous, I think almost a decade, As a sales leader, and he even said there's this mantra out there that those who do do and those who can't teach, which is why you have to be so careful about the experts that you choose. Well, Robbie went and he did it. You know, he's like, well, this is what I've been teaching all these years. I need to put my own stuff into action and make sure that this is real. And he was incredible about just how focused he was on every single thing that he did and really evaluated how can I improve e- each thing and i've had a number of guests that have have been like that Dewan Brown at Bloomberg BNA same type of a process. What's the process that I'm using to maybe open a door? What's the process that I'm using for that discovery call? What's the process that I'm using to negotiate terms on my deal? And what can I do to make that just a little bit better than doing the study and doing the research to improve yourself notch by notch? I mean, this is not something that there's a magic bullet that, you know, I've, I've figured out after 20 some interviews, I've figured out, oh, this is the <laughs> this is the formula Unfortunately, that's not there but it is just incremental improvement in your process in all areas of sales and obviously influence and negotiation are a big big part of that
1: yeah like we said about these top sales people being humble being a student of sales or constantly learning and we harp on the show all the time about personal development and, and we all know how critical it is but do you see a common number as because I, I know all these top sales are, are have a personal development program is there a percent of the day, or minutes during the day, or percent of income they reinvest themselves? Do you see a common theme there as far as amount of personal development?
0: Yeah, I don't know that I've dug quite that deep, even though I dig quite deep in, in my conversations. Our average episode is is 75 or 90 minutes long. I mean, we really get into the, into the weeds of their process. I don't know that I've really done a good job of quantifying their investment of development. What I can say, though, is for almost all of them, and I would include myself in this, it is – not even something that a few of them have said that I don't measure it. It's just part of who I am. They're constantly learning and absorbing. I mean, when I look at myself, the reason I love podcasts so much is you can get much more raw stuff. It's a lot more real time. And um, this is one of my favorite podcast listening hacks. Turn up the speed. I listen. I just notched mine up a little bit more. I now listen to my podcast at 1.9x. Um, So I'm literally getting 90% more content in the exact same amount of
1: time. I'm only at 1.6, so you're cruising way ahead of me.
0: I'm cranking. I'm cranking. (laughs) I I got a lot of backlog.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So personal development is critical, surrounding yourself with the best. And, you know, when you work with salespeople, it's interesting you have the number one person. And a lot of the rookies or even your people who have been there a long time don't ever talk to the number one person. Have you ever brought that up or – figured out why that was, I mean, these people are more than willing that I've seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, to open up and talk about their sales process and work with people and go to lunch and share this information that they've learned, figured out why so few of the bottom performers or middle performers don't ask them for help?
0: <laughs> no, because I don't talk to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you're exactly right that there is this absolute, there's people want to give back. And they know that, hey, I was once at the beginning, too, and I needed a lot of help. And one of the, the other consistent themes here is that frequently when these folks – well, and, it's, and it doesn't stop. It's not just in the beginning of their career. They reach to the top. They go find the people who's, who's doing this the best in my organization. Kyle Gutzler is an incredible example of that. He wrote this LinkedIn post about how he doubled his sales in one year. And a big part of that process was looking at the best people in the organization, figuring out the things that they were doing, and then he just basically applied a a magnifier to that, right? So, oh, well, if this person is sending 10 thank you notes a day, I'm going to send 15. And it was finding all of those little types of things. But at the end of the day, there is a willingness for these folks to give back and to help. And a lot of what I'm trying to do with my show is create an opportunity for them to basically do this kind of mentoring and to give back at scale. You know, they can have that conversation once with me for an hour and a half, and now they can pay that forward and and thousands of people can listen to it like they are today and not only that, I, I think it's it's helpful and important to know that it, there's a give and take to reaching out to the best. And honestly, the give isn't so much that you're going to pay them or there's there's a quid pro quo. It's more about you doing what they suggest that you do and following up and demonstrating that you're listening, that you're paying attention, that they've contributed to you and this is what you're doing, that's oftentimes the give. And if you do that and you communicate in that way, you will build an incredible relationship and be able to go back to that mentor and, and create something really, really important for yourself.
1: Okay, persuaders, I hope you caught that you can spend five six years figuring out on your own which is not a very good plan or you just find a top producer someone who's doing it and when you approach them the right way they're more than happy to help out give back because they had to learn the same way that you're learning and you just can do it in a couple of months instead of a couple of years or even longer and that is one of the secrets of success always having a personal development program surrounding yourself with the best people all things that are very very important so Scott, what's the one thing I've missed? What do you want to tell our listeners? What do they need to know?
0: You know, I I think the most important thing to know, again, I, I alluded before to there not really being a formula. If anything, the formula is this. It's understanding who you are, your unique strengths, what the unique value that you bring to the way that you sell is, and do more of that. And that that is really the, the key. You it, know, it's it's playing up to your strengths and your unique value and just being a more authentic and magnified version of yourself. That's what's going to work the best because it's not fake. It's not forced. And uh, and that's what that's what seems to come through.
1: Well said listeners. Hope you took great notes. Want to thank Scott. Scott, where can our listeners find out more about you and your podcast and these great salespeople you're interviewing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're in a podcast app right now, if you just do a quick search for sales success stories and hit that little subscribe button, that's the best way to get started. The other thing that I'll do for your audience here, Kurt, um, I'm going to create a page for you guys. If you go to top1.fm, that's the number one. So top1.fm forward slash max, as in maximize. Um, I'm going to put together a number of these clips. So you've got just a a, cor- a short glimpse into some of the quotes and clips that we've talked about and some of these individuals that I've mentioned so you can hear them and their words, how they're describing some of these things about the way that they only sell best in class and the way that they care about their customer and how they do discovery. All those different things we've talked about, I'll put those all onto a nice single page for you to find at top1.fm forward slash max.
1: Hey, Scott, really appreciate your time. Thanks for being here and your words of wisdom. Maximize your influence listeners. Hope you'd Again, to took great notes and realize if you want to be a top persuader, top negotiator, top to salesperson, it's actually formula is pretty easy. You start thinking, acting, and doing what other top salespeople do. That's what we learned on the show today. Use these skills and go out and persuade with power. <music>